0: Hey, hey, Diana. Let me just say, uh, we don't have a huge crowd here this morning, but your singing this morning was great. I love that. Uh, I loved singing myself and love hearing you sing. Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us. Welcome to Centennial Church. Uh, nice to see you, and welcome if you're our guest. Uh, we have a guest card, a connection card. Hopefully, uh, there's one in the seat back in front of you. We would love to pray for you, to pray with you. There will also be a time, uh, if you need prayer this morning, we have some folks uh, that will pray with you. They'll be holding candles at the end of the service up here as well as in the back. If you'd like to come forward or backward, I guess it could be, to uh, get prayed for, we'd love to do that. But you can also do that by uh, putting these uh, prayer cards in the baskets that are in the back there. That's also where we drop our tithes and offerings. If you do that the old-fashioned way, by cash or check, Um, some of us do it the E way, but whatever suits you, um, the baskets are there in the back for the connection cards as well as for our offering. I want to invite uh, the ladies among us to come back and join other ladies tomorrow night. For a ladies' night, we have our annual craft fair around here that is a fundraiser for our preschool called Kids World. It helps us get new playground equipment and fix things up and do things in the classrooms to improve things. Uh, And you probably saw as you walked in, there's lots of prizes out there. You can purchase raffle tickets to win those prizes. Um, There are so many different things out there to feed your belly, to go on a weekend getaway with your honey, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, If you want to win some of that stuff, you can come and shop tomorrow, ladies, but you can buy those raffle tickets to win uh, some of the prizes today after the service out in the lobby. So uh, ladies' night tomorrow at 5.30. Guys, that means you're helping with the kids tomorrow night, okay? Got it? Put that in your calendar. Um, Another thing coming up uh, is Christmas. And we're not skipping Thanksgiving, but we are uh, preparing for Christmas. So we're going to have a work day right after the service on November 24th. If you like decorating or even if you don't like decorating like me uh, and just want to lend some labor and uh, cheer, we're going to provide lunch and child care. Uh, just sign up in the back uh, out in the lobby again this week, or you can do that online, I believe too. But that's the work day preparing for uh, Christmas. Take a deep breath. Can you believe it? Goodness, November the 10th, here we are. Hey, a couple other things before we open up God's word, and I'm going to ask uh, Brooke to pray for us in a minute, but a, a couple other things just by way of family business and prayer request this morning. Uh, first of all, an announcement. I heard that there is a gold medalist over here in this section. Jamie, stand up and show everyone your gold. Now now, strike the bowling pose for us. Okay, first place yesterday, or was it yesterday in your bowling, Special Olympics bowling, so give Jamie a hug after church, okay? Uh, way to go. I'm not bowling with you. Huh. I have that deal going on where I want to switch my golf scores with my bowling scores. Anybody else have that, that problem? Uh, that's where I am. Uh, in other news, continue to pray uh, for the blacks. Uh, Sondra lost her mother a week ago there down in Bastrop uh, this morning. Also, Jim Wilson recovering. And this morning, also want to take a moment to pray. Garrett Moore was leading us in worship this morning. Uh, his lovely wife, Larissa, is back there sitting by him. And I won't make them stand up, but Larissa uh, this week and kind of... Uh, has a history, but this week has had several seizures while she's been sleeping, and they went to the ER on Friday, and just been a tough week, um, for them, so I want to just remind you, um, to thank them for, uh, Garrett, uh, leading us in worship, and in our kind of interim phase here with worship, and, uh, Larissa just jumping in here, being a part of our church family, and we just want to pray for them this morning. Um, that's scary stuff, isn't it? And uh, so they have a neurology appointment uh, tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, if you can remember to pray uh, for them, okay? More. Larissa Moore. Okay, so um, there are other things, and we'd love to hear about them. Put them on that connection card or. Uh, Come and ask for prayer, Uh, like I said, toward the conclusion of our service. We'd love to pray with you at the prayer stations. But uh, Brooke is going to pray for Larissa and our time in God's Word. Mm -hmm.
1: Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we just... I just pray that you keep your hands over the Lord saying Garrett during this time. this This is scary and we don't know why this is happening, but we know that you have a plan for her life and that your will is greater than ours and I just pray that you give her peace and that you give Garrett peace and I just pray that you continue to strengthen them through their faith in you. And we love you, Lord. And we just thank you. I know we often we cry out to you when we need you. But we praise you, Lord, and we praise you during this time. even. Lord, I just pray that you bring our church family together during this time as we pray over the Mars. And that everything is going to turn out the way that you have it fit for her. We pray that you strengthen Garrett during this time. We know that she needs him right now to be strong for her. And we just pray that you continue to bring us around her as her church family, as her friends. We just pray that you lead us today, Lord, in your word. And we thank you for this time that you've given us with Pastor Ross and that you guide his words for us in our congregation. Thank you, Brooke.
0: Appreciate that. Hey, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and join me in First Peter. We have been in First Peter uh, the entire fall, walking through this uh, brief. Five chapter letter from the Apostle Peter. Did I say Paul just a second ago? Kind of the default for preachers, but uh, Peter gets slighted some. Uh, We are in Peter, 1 Peter, if I said that incorrectly. Maybe it's just my mind playing tricks on me. But uh, we've been in this uh, all through the fall, and we're going to kind of wrap it up, um, at least for the fall today, uh, finishing up chapter 2. And then we'll take a break as we kind of prepare next week uh, for the holiday season, uh, Thanksgiving as well as Christmas. We'll come out of 1 Peter and then pick it back up uh, in 2020, okay? so But we'll try to finish through uh, chapter 2 today. And so uh, if you want, if you have your Bible open or it will be on the screen as well, uh, follow along with me here as we look um, at verses 13 through 25, okay? 1 Peter 2. not using your freedom as a cover-up cover for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. Well, uh... I've entitled the message today, A Tough Pill to Swallow. And I've entitled it that because it is. It's really kind of a non PC, non politically correct message because um, it starts uh, here in verse 13 with two words translated in the ESV be subject. Or if you have. Uh, The NIV translations or the New American Standard Translation, it says, submit yourselves. Okay, verse 13 as well as verse 18. Submit, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. And this just kind of, the whole word, submit, just kind of grates on most of us. In fact, I just confessed to you as I was preparing this week, there was this huge temptation in me to say, yeah, but where's the out, you know, or how do I make this not quite as extensive or all-encompassing? And, and I realized that inside of me, and I also realized as I was, th- as I was preparing this, I was, I was perplexed a little bit about the connection. Why does he bring this up in verse 13 now in the course of his letter? And I was reminded of the verses that we looked at last week, And if you were here last week, we talked about verses 11 and 12, how there's this war going on around us, and there's actually this war inside of us. He says in verse 11 that there's a war for our souls. The passions of our flesh wage war against our souls. And it kind of dawned on me as I was studying this week, there's the relationship between verses 11 and 12 with verses 13 and following it's that relationship with the passions of the flesh because we talked about you know all the things that passions of the flesh of the flesh imply last week but passions of the flesh if nothing else imply at least one thing and that is i want to do what i want to do right i mean the passions of the of the flesh in me is just i want my way That's that's part of what it is to be a human born into sin, having this sin nature passed on from Adam and Eve because pride or kind of, hey, I'm going to do it my way, is like the epitome and actually the foundation, the base of sin. And Adam and Eve sinned. It was basically, yeah, I know what you said, God, but here's what my eyes see and here's what I want to do. So to say, I don't want to submit to the authorities above me is just a indication of the passion of the flesh of capital i the unholy trinity me myself and i right but submission or to submit is not a not a great word these days it's not a not one smiled upon. And Pastor, you might just call it the S word today. Submit. It's the big bad S word. But it's clear here in Peter this morning that he calls believers in Christ to a form of submission and a form of submission to authority. Okay? So, this morning, we're going to look under three headings at uh, these verses here. First of all, we'll look at uh, some objections, and then secondly, the opportunities we have, and then finally, the motivation, okay? Objections, opportunities, and motivations. So, first of all, let's think about the objections, and I've kind of already raised some of them initially, but... uh, Three, I think, objections that kind of make this passage difficult for us to accept at face value. And the first one is just this idea of what one sociologist has called expressive individualism. This is just the air we breathe. We, our culture and the climate of our age is one of expressive individualism. What does that mean? That means that in times past, you kind of found your identity and knew the the ways and mores through life based upon the community that you were brought up in, the culture that you came into. And so you adopted the the identity of the culture that you grew up in. If your uh, family and uh, town or uh, province had certain values, that was kind of what you took on as a person within the community. If your dad was a, a cobbler or a baker or whatever, chance a farmer. Chances are that's going to be your role. That's going to be your career. But as time has progressed, now in kind of postmodern 2019, uh, the air we breathe, we we are told often and think often that the way to find our identity and really find life and meaning is to throw off the shackles of our predominant culture or our family system or whatever, and don't be what somebody else tells you to be. Just find yourself. Look within you. Throw off the tradition and the, what other people around you are telling and just express yourself. Be who you want to be. And in a culture like that, the idea of submitting to authorities over you doesn't land well. It's totally countercultural. The second uh, obstacle that I see that is kind of, again, the air we breathe or the water we swim in, if you will, is this uh, kind of atmosphere of anti-institutionalism. Because of scandals and because of history and because of our experience maybe with governments or presidents or uh, churches or organizations, we kind of live in a a time where we are somewhat anti-institutional. There are so many people uh, that you and I live with, uh, live next door to, work with, friends with, that are very skeptical of institutions, and in fact, they'll say things like this: they'll say, "I love spirituality, or I even love Jesus. I just don't like the institutional church." If you haven't heard that, uh, I would be surprised. But that's just kind of the air we breathe in this anti-institutional. It's not just church; uh, it's in other institutions as well, whether it's government or whether it's marriage or whether it's big corporations or. Whatever, we can be very anti-institutional, so that's the second obstacle or objection we kind of face. And then flowing from that, obviously the third one, uh, somewhat unique, uh, is just just kind of a general suspicion of authority. We've had authorities in our lives, and we've seen the cracks in their armor, or they were deceitful, or they uh, did something immoral or illegal, so we are kind of, again, in this water or the air we breathe is just kind of one of a suspicion of authority. And all those things are uh, not things that we can just write off. Uh, They are uh, things that often have some truth to them um, but nevertheless, God's word still stands, and Peter gives us these instructions in verses 13. These warning or uh, imperatives, if you will, in verses 13 through 25, that we have to take seriously, and it is rather extensive and all-encompassing. So, look again with me um, at verse 13 where he says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And why don't you just go ahead and if you write in your Bible, underline that word, every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor or king as supreme or to governors, and we don't have emperors or kings, but we have president, we have congressmen, we have mayor, we have policemen, we have other institutional authorities, right? But he says, to every human institution, not only there do you see the extensiveness of it, but if you look further down in verse 18, as he drills down and he talks to servants and gets specific about servants, look at how he instructs them. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And then he says, He qualifies it like this. He qualifies it by extending it. He says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So what is he saying? You know, if you work for a boss or you work for an employer uh, that treats you well and does good and honors you and treats you right and gives you great benefits, honor him. But don't just honor the good boss. Honor even the one that doesn't treat you so well the good as well as the not-so-good. Honor them. Give them respect. Submit to that authority. Now, this was really brought home to me kind of in a a potent, tangible way. Um, In one particular case, when I was about 25 years old, I was serving over in Africa, and I decided that uh, while I was there, I was feeling led to go and start this ministry uh, back in the States, and I had this particular area that I wanted to start this ministry. And I felt like God had put it on my heart. I had prayed about it, all this stuff. And this place that I wanted to go to was the Promised Land, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I was wanted to start the Young Life Ministry in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And so while I'm in Ethiopia, and I've been praying about this, and I've been sharing it with the guys that I'm working with, and my mentor at the time, this guy named Chuck, who was 60 years old and was kind of discipling us, and we began to pray. And there had been weeks and months as they prayed with me. And then it came, I told my parents about it, and I told this other kind of guy, friend, back in the States, who was kind of a cheerleader for me. I said, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna bring this to my boss, and you know, a couple weeks I'm gonna send him this email, tell him, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm coming back in June, and this is where where I want to go. And so all that build up, and I sent that email to 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 John and I said, Hey, here's my plan. And I waited for a while and I finally got that email back. And John's reply to me was, Well, Ross, uh, he didn't say this bluntly, but basically the email was this: Hey, appreciate your heart, love your desire. But Stillwater is not ready for this ministry. I don't really see that happening. But there are some people over here in this area, this area called Ponca City, Oklahoma, this refinery town that smells like a refinery when you drive up. And they're ready, and they need a leader, and why don't you go there and spend the next season of your life in Ponca City, Oklahoma? And I said, that's not really what I had in mind. And guys, that's not what we prayed about, and that's not what I feel like the Lord put on my heart, and gosh, I, I don't really want to do that. And I struggled with that, and I'll never, and this was one of those, you know, moments that you don't forget, this potent conversation that I had with Chuck as I talked to him, and I said, you know, and, and Chuck had had some experience in Stillwater, he'd been excited for me, and he's like, Ross, I know that this is what you wanted. And I'll never forget these words. He says, but you know what? There's something really godly about just telling the people that have charge over you, hey, whatever you think is best, I'll do it. Dang it, I didn't want to hear that. But there's something really godly about saying Lord, you have put some people in authority over me. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a recruiter. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a mentor. And I just want to open myself up to direction that they might want to give me. Now, that example that I just gave you is actually a pretty easy one because that guy was a good guy. And he was following Jesus, and he had my best, you know, well-being in mind, right? But what do you do with, you have the boss that wants to send you to some godforsaken place, and you're like, I, this guy is just, you know, corporate greed or whatever, and I don't think I want to go. Well, that's harder. I don't have an illustration for that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> but some of you do, and nevertheless, God says, if, if, if you would submit yourself to the authorities, I will protect you. In fact, you can even honor me. You can be doing good by submitting to the authorities that I have put over you. So, there are, that's all that under objections. The opportunities that this brings okay, again, are threefold. Look at what happens. If we can swallow this pill, look at the opportunities that we have. First of all, look at verse 15. If we can submit ourselves to authority, in verse 15, he says that we can do good. We can do good As we submit and live our lives in a way that's Christ-honoring, he says, verse 15, this is the will of God. Now, I I love that phrase. Don't you? I mean, so often I pray, or maybe you pray, God, show me your will for my life. And there's several places in the New Testament where it's just as clear as day. The author says, this is the will of God. And this is one of them, right here in verse 15. So you want to know what the will of God is? Verse 15 is the will of God. It clearly says it. And what is the will of God? Is the will of God is to do, for you to do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, in your doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That if, if, if you live in, under a, a boss or a manager that just isn't that nice, And you just do good. You're just faithful. You just represent Christ. Peter says you can silence the ignorance of foolish people. And some of you are thinking, i got a lot of foolish people around me that need to be silenced. Well, there's your opportunity. Not by bucking the system. Now, there's a time to buck the system, okay? And Peter himself, let me caveat here, okay? Peter himself... Defied institutional authority. OK? Go back and read Acts chapter four and Acts chapter five. So let me say this. We're studying one piece of the Bible this morning, and we believe in all of it. OK? So there are times to buck authority. In Acts four: or five, Peter says, "It, far be it from me, I, I've got to disobey the soldiers, the Roman government, in order to obey God, OK? So when met with a choice between I've got to honor God here or I've got to honor my boss, we always honor God, even if it costs us with our boss, right? But he says, if it's not against God's will, if it's not something immoral, illegal, uh, and you can be in the situation, you can do good, and your witness in that situation is will have an impact such as sometimes it will silence the criticism that people have against you or that people have against Christ and His church. Just by you enduring, putting up with it, being a faithful employee, showing up on time, getting things turned in on time, doing your best can have a impact on the ignorant and the foolish and don't you love how honest Peter is just some ignorant and foolish people out there nobody in this room but there's some ignorant and foolish people right do good and if we just embraced this principle and again there are some exceptions but if we just embraced this idea think how much more smoothly some things could run. And I'm thinking specifically here, specifically here if you drop down from verse 15 on down to verse 17. Let's read that one again. Look at I love the pithy imperatives here, the pithy commands. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. He starts with everyone, honor everyone. I mean, if we, if we could just put this into practice, if we could just be nice, if we could just be respectful, even to those on the political spectrum opposite us, if we could just respect or honor people, dialogue in a respectful way, boy, wouldn't that make cable news a lot less exciting? But might we make some progress if we could just honor everyone? Why do we honor everyone? Because... At the foundation, as Christians, we believe that everyone is an image-bearer of God. That humans are not animals, but they bear the stamp, the, the image, the imprint of God. And so, because of that, they are worthy of more honor than my dog or my cat. Certainly my cat. Just kidding. But every person is made in the image of God and therefore worthy of honor and respect. And that's just kind of the base ethic. Honor everyone, and then he's going to end it by saying, and honor the emperor too. Respect the king, respect the emperor, but in the middle of it, love the brotherhood right there. He's talking about love fellow believers, love the sisterhood, love your adopted family of faith, and fear God. Revere God. This this phrase here reminds me of the end of Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, We approach God with fear and reverence, awe and reverence, because our God is a consuming fire. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the Emperor, the opportunity we have here just by honoring, respecting. Submitting to others, the opportunity for witness, the opportunity to make a difference for Jesus and His church just by fulfilling this command is significant. Not only do we have the opportunity to do good, secondly, we have the opportunity to follow the example of Jesus. Look at verse 21. This is an amazing verse here, and I don't have time to do it justice, but verse 21, he says this, for to this you have been called. Okay, what have we been called to? Yeah, to, to win the world, to represent Jesus, to be his ambassadors, but look at what he fills it out with. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. What has he called us to? Suffering. Dad, nabbit. I love the places where Peter and Paul tell me, "Man, you're the beloved. You're the elect of God. You're my ambassadors. You're a child of the king. And also, he's called us to suffer that we might follow in his steps. And too often I think that if I'm following Jesus and I'm serving him, man, life ought to be easier. And Peter reminds us here that we follow in the steps of a crucified Savior. That my master suffered. My, my master submitted himself to suffering. How am I to think that I can escape? some persecution, some suffering, some chides, some snickers, some exclusion at the office, if the very one I followed was crucified to death. We follow his example. Chapter 4, verse 1 says the same thing, and again, it's sober, not the ones we highlight in our Bible, but it says, chapter 4, verse 1, Peter says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Mm. If you're here this morning looking for your best life now, uh, I've got some bad news and some good news. The bad news is Jesus, Jesus hasn't promised that your best life will happen now. That's the bad news. He's actually said, man, you're just going to go through life, you're going to suffer. You're going to follow Jesus, you're especially going to suffer. If you're not suffering for Jesus, again, as I said last week, maybe we need to ask the question, am I really following Jesus? Because nobody seems to have a problem with me. But the bad news is you're going to suffer. The good news is your best life is way better than any best life you can imagine here. There's no need for a bucket list because in kingdom come, you're gonna have a life that you can't imagine. As my grandpa would say, you can't shake a stick at whatever that means. But it's not today and it's not Monday. We follow his example as we have these opportunities to submit even to things that are uncomfortable, unjust, and unpleasant. But we follow in the footsteps of our Savior. And thirdly, and I've got to pick up the paste here, and thirdly, it's an opportunity, obviously, to trust God. Look again with me at verse 23. Actually, let's start back at verse 22. We said, so that you might follow in his steps, verse 21. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He's talking here about Jesus, our example, right? Our our Savior, first of all, but also our example. We don't save ourselves by being martyred, but we are saved by Christ's martyrdom, his sacrifice on our behalf. But we follow in his steps. Uh, with unjust suffering he Jesus committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued and under this underline this part but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly when you're in a place where you're having to submit to a boss that's incompetent to a system that's unjust, you have an opportunity not only to submit, but you are entrusting yourself to God who is sovereign over those things He has put over you. So, the Scriptures say that Jesus continued to entrust Himself to the Father, and as we face circumstances that we'd rather be out of it's an opportunity for us to continue not just to trust Christ for salvation, but continue to entrust ourselves to God over and over again, saying, God, I know that you're sovereign over these circumstances. I know you're sovereign over these authority, these authorities, I know that you're sovereign over everything that seems chaotic. And so I volitionally am choosing to just fall down on my knees. And submit to those over me as I entrust myself ultimately to you, God. Because remember how he started in verse 13. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Not to serve men ultimately, but to honor the God that we trust. Why can we entrust ourselves to God in the midst of unjust authorities or unjust leadership, here's the motivation. The motivation and power is right there in verses 21 through 25, because Jesus went before us and suffered for us. He went through all that injustice so that you and I wouldn't have to face the justice that we deserve, so, he was reviled and didn't revile. He was suffering but didn't threaten others and didn't take himself out of the suffering. If ever there was a person that didn't deserve unjust treatment or the, un, the injustice of authorities over him, it's the perfect Son of God, Jesus. And what did he do? He suffered on our behalf. And so, here's the, here's the conclusion. Here's the motivation. We can do this because Jesus has gone before us and suffered unjustly for us. And as Don Carson likes to say, and I like to repeat, I can trust a God who bleeds for me. I can trust a God that bleeds for me. Because no matter what's going on in my circumstances, no, no matter what's happening in circles above me and meetings that I'm not in, I know that God has not abandoned me because the nail-scarred hands that he shows me say, I went to this extent because I love you. And I have not abandoned you. And I am sovereign over everything that comes to you. Therefore, you can entrust yourself to me because I have given myself for you. Because I'm your shepherd. I'm your overseer. He says, that's the way he concludes verse 25. He says, you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. What is Peter saying? He's saying, yeah, I know you have a manager. I know you have an overseer. I know you have a CEO or whatever. I know you have a teacher or coach or whatever, but I'm, God is the overseer. God is the shepherd over the shepherds. And he's in control even of this mess even of this chaos that you are enduring. He's shepherding you. And I think of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We can submit. We can trust ourselves to God. because he has shown his great love for us in giving himself to suffering on our behalf. I want to invite you right now to just bow your head and close your eyes, and as the band comes forward, I just want to ask you, what's going on for you, for me? What do you need to entrust yourself to God about this morning? I know you've got stuff. I've got stuff. And it's always an opportunity. It's always an opportunity to say, God, I'm out of control, but I know you're not out of control. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you And I know you're my shepherd and I know you're a good shepherd and I know that the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep and I'm one of your sheep. So give me faith, God, help me trust, help me believe, help me trust you in the injustice, help me trust you in the pain. Oh God, we believe, help our unbelief. It's in our Savior Jesus' name we pray. Mm-hmm. Amen.